Hello and welcome to Idle Conversations with mother and daughter team, Roz and Stacey. Through Idle Conversations, we share stories of personal triumph over tragedy, encouraging you to walk the path to inner happiness through personal responsibility and self-awareness. Today's podcast is on grief and bereavement, focusing on the stages of grief. So Stacey, why don't you start by sharing your recent experience with loss and what that meant for you? I hadn't been exposed or even known what loss was in any form, so loss for me was very foreign and not even something people around me had experienced. In 2014, when I was 22, my parents told me they were separating. Two years later, my mum was diagnosed with stage 4 bowel cancer with a prognosis of up to four years. A year later, in 2017, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer and he passed away a short five weeks later. Obviously, having never gone through anything like this before, grief was so foreign. I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like, what I was supposed to be doing. And then you turn to Google, what is grief? How do you grieve? You type in things like, my dad just died, in the hope that a post comes up where someone else has gone through something similar and and you can read about their journey. But I found there was a lot of posts about the seven stages of grief and they weren't all like, you may feel this, you may feel this. It was like stage one is, I think it's denial. Stage two, anger. I personally felt like I had to accustom myself to, okay, all right, all right, so now I'm supposed to be in the denial stage. And I would shift my emotions to feel that because I didn't know what else I was supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to feel. And so you were trying to feel Yeah, but because that's not actually what I was feeling, my mind and my emotions were all over the place. Mm-hmm. I might have been angry, but I was like, nope, that's that's stage down here. I haven't felt all this stuff yet. And you can be experiencing all of them mm. within the same day, really. Yeah. Not, not denial for a couple of months and then anger for a couple of months. It's Absolutely. Like on a daily basis, all of them. And I even felt that, you know, denial came after the rest and then, you know, they would shift and then sometimes I wouldn't be feeling any of them. That's important to me to let other people know who are going through this. Just feel what you feel. Don't put labels on what you're feeling. Just acknowledge that you're feeling something and allow yourself to experience that feeling. Yep, just go through it. That's what I said to your brother in the very beginning, that you're likely to experience many different emotions and don't try and block them, just allow them. And he would literally walk up the street at night and walk down to the waterfront and yell, like scream at the top of his voice. He just had this physical sensation Mm. in his body that he had to release. And he did that because he was very open with his feelings. And he talks openly about his dad. He cries openly. He gets angry openly. Loren doesn't deal with her emotions at all. And I hope she doesn't mind us talking about her now on the podcast. She still, a year later, feels like she's not in her body. And that's one of the things you were saying is really common with the grief as well. You feel like you're not in your body. She's only just now starting to talk about dad because she hasn't dealt with the grief at all. And one of the things that is bothering her is that 
she has no memory of times that they shared together. She can't draw on those memories at all. We still celebrate Andrew's birthday. We still celebrate Father's Day. We still talk about him and pretend that he's here with us at Christmas time. And we use those occasions to sit and look at old family movies because Andrew was always filming. And we're so grateful now to have those memories yeah. because we can hear his voice talking on the videos, even though he's not in a lot of them. We can hear him talking and making humour because one of the saddest things is the fact that you can't remember the sound of their voice. Mm, yeah. And I think even when we watch the videos now and we can hear his voice, there's not a connection to it. Do you feel that? Certainly when I hear his voice, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's dad. I immediately go, oh, yeah, now I remember. But then once we're away from that, it's not edged into my recollection beyond that. I think it's really important to keep going back over those memories. How do you think that helps you with your grief? If we have watched a home video and it's a really special moment, I'll record it on my phone so that if I'm feeling down, I can watch it while I'm lying in bed. If I'm having a moment and I need to remember or need to feel closer to him, then I've got it there. Yeah. I think it's very healing. Yeah, to, very have, healing. to have a happy memory. Absolutely. And, and so I think it's nice to have a separation between this awful tragedy that we've lost our dad and that we're still mourning his loss, but that we're still able to laugh. That is very therapeutic. In the beginning stages, when he first passed away, you used to write down memories. Mm -hmm. Because back when I was Googling, you know, how are you supposed to feel? I think one of the tips that someone said is write down everything you remember. You know, you might say to yourself, oh, I'll never forget their smile or their laugh or what they did here and when they did. But you do. You, you do. really yeah. do. It's only been a year, just over a year. And I can't remember what he smells like. If I pass someone in a shop and they wear the same aftershave, it's a weird thing that comes over and yeah. I go, oh my God, yeah, that's what he wore. You lose it because you're not faced with it every single day as you would if that person was alive. A week or so after he had died, uh, myself and my sister wrote down every single thing we remembered about him. Even the little things particularly someone like our dad, he just did so much stuff, you know, even walking in the door, coming home from somewhere and he'd yell out gibberish, but it was <laughs> hilarious. And we'd be like, okay, dad's home. But I remember I was listening to a podcast recently and a chap was talking about the fact that he was only around, I think 12 when his father died. And there was a tremendous period of time where he felt like he was the odd one out amongst his mm. peers because they would talk about things they did with their fathers on the weekend or being present at football games. And he said, instead of feeling like, I haven't got that memory, I can't share mm. something about my father being with me, instead he would think, would my father have enjoyed that experience? Mm. So if they were talking about going to a football game with their dads, he would think to himself, me and my dad would have enjoyed that, but not to create more misery he would turn it into something happy. Yeah, that to me does sound super helpful. But I think that would be once you have left strong 
feel feelings of grief. I think if I was to practice that now, I would be like, you say the football example. Oh yeah, dad would have enjoyed that. He'd be on the sidelines <laughs> being the loudest and then that would make me sad. In talking about how Matt and I are very open with our emotions and how we feel about things and how Loren isn't, I think that's okay as well. If you're not the type of person that's open, like there's nothing wrong with you. You kind of put your own personal associations on it. Like I would say, I am feeling this way. Surely other people are as well. And I think this is where my boyfriend struggled a lot in that he's not an emotionally driven person. And so if he were in that situation, he would rather just be left alone. He doesn't want to be consoled. He just needs to deal with it on his own, whereas I need constant love and care and attention. I need to know that people are thinking of, are you thinking right? of me and caring about me. You just have to respect that everyone is going to deal with it in their own way. Well, actually, you got some really good advice. You went to see a counsellor for a little while. You were upset that people weren't assessing or, yeah. or reading your mind about what you needed from them. Yeah. So tell our listeners a little bit about what was happening. So people might have been ringing and making demands on you. Say if it was a couple of months after Dad had died, people were just unloading their own issues on me and I just was, I don't want to deal with this. I'm still in my own headspace. I don't have the mental capacity to be dealing with this stuff. And I used to just get really angry at them. They wouldn't have even known that what they were messaging me or talking to me about, you know, their problems would have been a bad thing, which it's not. Three months later, I'm still grieving. In their mind, it's been three months. In, in other people's minds, I feel like they think you've surpassed all of it. Because you weren't showing any emotion around other people. And exactly. You and you weren't talking about yeah. dad or what you were experiencing. Yeah. So people just thought life, she must be life okay. goes on. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was absolutely my fault because I wasn't being true to what I was going through. I was thinking more about how other people would be feeling and I wasn't being nice to myself. You were trying to protect other people from feeling uncomfortable or yeah. whatever. So what did the counsellor tell you to do? She said, be honest. If someone messages you and wants a demand or, you know, you just can't handle it, tell them that. Rather than sending, you know, a short, angry message back, I tried that once. And the response I got was really lovely. You know, I didn't realise, do you want me to call you? Do you want to talk? So I think it literally is, if you've not gone through it, you don't understand. Yeah, and that's why grief is such a lonely process. It is. There's a few different ways people will handle it. Once you tell them, they'll either feel uncomfortable and yeah. won't know what to do, and so they will avoid you, or they will reach out and say, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Yeah. Exactly, and, and I'm really you. lucky. You know, all my family are absolutely wonderful. I've not even had to say boo and they will just do things without me even having to ask. I have maybe about two friends who have just bent over backwards and know exactly what to do. So I think, again, the best thing I've ever heard is that the grief doesn't go away. The loss, you're always going to feel it. It's always going to be there, but it's going to get less intense. This saying, and I, I think it's kind of an important one, said grief I've learned is really just love it's all the love you want to give but cannot all that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes the lump in your throat mm -hmm. and in the hollow part of your chest 
grief is just love with no place to go. And that's that out-of-body experience that you feel it's love with no place to go. Yeah. And that's what stays with you. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you're going through grief and it's just all new to you, just know that the intensity of it will lessen. And I think what holds me in good stead, first of all, I'm a person who has stoic resilience and people who experience that believe that everything in life has a purpose and that we learn something about ourselves and we can find the the positive aspect in anything bad that happens. (laughs) People have their own religious and spiritual beliefs that they fall back on and that's what gives them strength and and comfort as well. And I certainly have uh, a lot of spiritual beliefs. We're grieving that he's not here in our life, but I'm happy for him too because I know he's in a great place. Yeah. But I do understand that when someone first passes, their loved ones who are grieving don't want to hear that stuff. I do commend you. I think having belief in something can certainly help you to cope a little bit better. For me, I just go, that's so unfair. I'm so angry. How could this happen? Mm. He's not in a better place. The better place is here on earth with us. I still have days where it's almost unbearable. But it definitely does get less intense. Yeah. It does. And those days where it's just awful and you have those emotions, you give yourself permission to have those emotions. Absolutely. What would set you back is if you force yourself out of that. Oh, I shouldn't just lie in bed all day and do absolutely nothing. Just lie in bed all day. Be sad if you need to be sad. The biggest thing is and you are probably just going to feel this anyway, is to not feel guilty for laughing. I have only just really started socialising with people again. Yes. I just completely shut myself off because I was like, why should I be allowed to have fun and smile? Guilted at laughing and having fun. I remember you phoned me and you said... It was the first time I had laughed and not felt guilty about laughing. And so what a joy that was. And it's making you emotional now. What what is it that's making you emotional about that? Oh, I think the fact that you could be joyful. Yeah, I just think that it was a genuine moment. Yeah. And you missed feeling that that kind of joy too, I suppose. You go, I'm allowed to have this moment. I think it was just genuine happiness. And to not feel, you know, guilt is awful. Guilt, it's not a nice feeling and everyone's felt it at some point in their life. Kind of almost makes you feel, you know, when you're on top of a roller coaster and your stomach still stays at the top. To have a moment that was completely mine where I actually was in that moment. It was just... Joyous. Yeah. After a year of questioning everything I did, you know, I'd go out on a night out with my friends And I'd come back home and I just thought, oh, I'm such a bad person. Why, you know, why, why was I having fun? But then again, you can't force yourself again. Like that was literally just the most natural moment. The issue is that you didn't feel guilty about feeling that joy. Yeah. But you move through it at your own pace. Allow yourself to feel what you feel. I think don't feel pressure from anyone else to what stage you should be at. Because there are no stages. That's been a wonderful podcast and Mm. thank you for sharing so honestly what your experience was. To listen to the podcast again, we'll have it uploaded on our website, 
idleconversations.com. Tune in for the next series of podcasts. Uh, We're going to have all sorts of interesting topics that people of all ages will be able to relate to. And again, we're calling on our own experience in the hope that it makes someone else feel like they're not alone or help them in any little way. So goodbye from Stacey and Rosalind. Yes, thanks for listening.